All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Root Solution, learning how to control the basics. This is Kyron. This is Noah. And we're going to continue talking about anxiety. Speaking of anxiety, I was just telling Kai's story about I'm flying out for a seminar this weekend and um, Spirit canceled my flight and then uncanceled it. So uh, I'm very confused. Um, Who knew that was possible? Who knew that was possible? But apparently they did. Um, so don't fly a spirit lesson learned, but I feel like <laughs> old that like 150 times. So, oh, well, um, so anxiety. So we've gotten through three podcasts on anxiety. Um, we've gotten more feedback than maybe we've ever gotten on any topic in the history of topics. Um, it's been interesting with the, the feedback has been really good. Um, People have said a few different things. I've heard things that range all the way from great information, thank you, to um, one that kind of got to me, which was that I maybe could be a little more sensitive towards the topic. And so I want to be clear here, guys. Um, unfortunately, when you go through things from the scientific perspective, you take the human aspect out of anxiety. And so when I'm talking about anxiety i'm talking about this categorically i'm not talking about this from a, a perspective of a human a person that's struggling with anxiety is struggling with anxiety like they're just that right and, and i understand that anxiety is not a simple solution nor is it just as easy as like just go work out right it's a far more complex ideal than that um the reason i, I want to say this up front and want to try to be as, as clear about this as i can is I think anxiety is a problem for people and can be problematic in people's lives. <clears throat> I do not believe that anxiety is a simple solution. My, my hope in offering the information that I've been giving people as far as anxiety is concerned is that they can better understand what anxiety is and understand that it can be useful and be used in a useful manner. For me, when I had anxiety before it became depression, um, I didn't really understand what signals were in my body were, were, were telling me, right? Um, and so without understanding them, I didn't know how to make change, right? And so for me, I needed to hear anxiety and then realize what it was. And so I still get anxiety. Um, it happens on a regular basis. For me, I have to step back and I have to really deeply evaluate why I have the anxiety and what it means. And this is what I'm hoping to get across here, guys. The emotional component of anxiety is tough. It's, it's not fun. It's unwavering. And to become, it can become depression very quickly. Um, I was on Facebook the other day. I know that's rare because um, I always joke that I don't go on Facebook. But I had a Facebook memory pop up, and it was me six years ago so it was me my now ex-wife and my daughters taking like a family portrait and um my daughters these cute little babies god they're so fucking cute but um i looked at myself right and i was overweight i was pale like see-through like transparently white right and those of you that know me i'm never like that um i just didn't look like myself right that was the heart and depth of when I was my own most anxious 
and when I was when I'm most depressed, right? Like literally the depth of it. Um, I could not have been more unhappy. And I was holding two beautiful baby girls with the greatest gift of all time. In that moment, everything should have been perfect, right? But my anxiety and depression kept me from enjoying those moments. And so I looked at a picture of myself recently. Um, I went to California Adventure with my girls on Sunday, which, by the way, so fun. Um, and I'm my complexion is darker. My smile is bigger. Um, I'm thinner. Um, everything about the picture looks happy and joyful. And the thing is, is when I was able to step out of that anxiety and depression, I was able to enjoy moments right and my life isn't perfect by any means i still still have anxiety but now i understand what anxiety is right and it's a function promoting change when i feel uncomfortable now creating change is hard and sometimes i guess wrong and i do things and i still have anxiety but what i do at that point is i circle back to that anxiety again and i ask myself again Am I being true? And do I understand what I need? Right. And that's what anxiety ends up being, right? Like, I, I personally, that's my belief as to how to deal with anxiety is to constantly circle back and ask yourself, how do I feel? And based on how I feel, do I need to create change? So I, I want to be clear with everybody that I don't think anxiety is something that's just easy and willy-nilly to deal with. And I understand that it can be debilitating and crippling. I also realize that looking in the mirror is not fun and really, really, really difficult and can take time. All those things I understand and I'm sensitive to. So I just wanna make sure I get that out there. Kai, have you had any sort of feedback or have you had any sort of, or do you have any thoughts as to what I just said? Yeah, I mean, uh, one one piece of feedback was listening to anxiety gave her anxiety, but you know, yeah. um, hopefully this this episode will help. But um, yeah, I mean, as you were talking, I kind of was thinking about um, how people deal with anxiety, and one of the things um, I was thinking about was, uh, you know, there's three different ways that we can go about dealing with things, right? So there's avoidance there's letting it happen to us and then there's making a change right and so I think most people are either avoiding it or they're letting it happen to them and so um, to your point of you know taking a step back and really realizing like what does this anxiety mean what is it um, like why is it happening what what's the situation how is it affecting you and then being able to make that change. So a lot of times what I'll tell my clients is to um, take that um, moment of time where the anxiety is happening and use that as an opportunity to make a change, right. just to, to shift their perspective in that, like, it's not happening to me, it's happening for me because it is, it could be useful, right? Like, like you said, like me and you both have anxiety constantly about business, about, you know, if we're doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff. So for us, it is, um, I believe, purposeful for us because it helps drive us to do better and to learn more and to um, always do our best for our clients. Right. So 
um you know i hope that people start to realize that because even in their lives right maybe they're not in business maybe they're employees maybe they're uh, housewives home, stay-at-home dads whatever it may be they still can have anxiety and they still can use that to their advantage and use it as an opportunity to you know better their lives or um just really get to understand themselves so that they don't um let anxiety take over them i think that's like a really great perspective right is like not letting this overtake themselves and letting and people connecting to themselves yeah and that kind of leads me into like what we want to talk about today right this idea of we're as human as we think um this connectivity to ourselves to nature to the world around us is really muted in the world we live in today um and so i think a lot of people have a hard time looking inward because one their baseline for feeling good is kind of out of whack yeah. i was listening to a podcast with michaela peterson um i posted it on my instagram it was a strong fit podcast um but so if you go to strong fit podcast look up michaela peterson she kind of tells her whole story about sickness and wellness and i mean it is freaking crazy it's right up there with like victor's story um but what blew me away with the whole story was that her whole life she'd been dealing with sickness right and now that she's got everything in order when she wavers a little bit from feeling normal she doesn't get anxiety about it anymore she has such a deep connection to her body. She understands what it is. So her ability to like self-evaluate is crazy. She's like, oh, well, she literally is to the point where like, she's like, oh, I ate meat that probably had salt on it, right? I ate aged meat and the aged meat didn't sit well and it's driving grogginess and anxiety, right? Most people, when they think of grogginess and, and anxiety, they think of grogginess and anxiety and they, they don't go to food or they don't go to certain, like they have, they have no idea to even consider those things. And see, this is the, what I'm trying or what, what Kai and I are trying to get out here is that like anxiety can be driven by a lot of external factors, right? Like too much peripheral stimulus, right? So when I say peripheral, like outside inputs to your senses. So like too much light exposure can throw off portions of your body that can drive anxiety. So your anxiety might not even be anxiety. It might just literally be another portion of your nervous system trying to communicate outwardly to you. So if you sit in LED lights all day long and your vitamin D runs low, you're gonna start having anxiety and a feeling of ickiness because you have a vitamin D deficiency. But how easy would that be to misconstrue because I feel lethargic or I feel you know, like I don't digest food well the truth is, is anxiety is from a stimulus perspective is it comes from all aspects of your nervous system. And I think that's where maybe I, I can come off a little bit insensitive and oversimplifying what anxiety is. It's not always my life sucks. Right. And if I have anxiety and I'm in a bad mood, I'm going to be more inclined to look outwardly towards things that suck. So like, if I don't sleep well the night prior, am I going to be grumpy when I wake up? Yeah. Yeah, right? So if I'm grumpy when I wake up 
and I become irritable with the patient, is it because I hate my job and don't like that patient? Or is it because I'm irritable because I didn't get sleep? sleep. And this is what my hope is to help people understand the cause and effect here, right? Is it's not always like this deep rooted issue. It could be literally you're dehydrated, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as you're talking, I was thinking about how there's all these quote unquote gurus or health experts that give the masses a sense of meaning, right? So um, kind of what I mean by that is when we when something's wrong, our brain immediately goes to like, I need to find meaning as to why this is happening, what's going on. So then you say, oh, I feel groggy. I feel brain fog. I feel tired all the time. And then you go to the doctors and they're like, oh, you, uh, you're stressed, right? Oh, okay. I'm cured. It was just stress, right? But there's no, how do I fix that? Why am I stressed? What does the stress look like? you know, like all these other factors that need to be addressed. It's just, oh, you're stressed, right? Here's some medication. But there's no deeper meaning. So then people are stuck, right? And then they use that as their, um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like they they uh, feel, I guess they feel more security when they hear, oh, it's just stress, right? right. So then they can just blame it on stress as opposed to, well, why did I sleep bad? Did I look at my phone and, or my iPad or my computer yeah. or TV right before going to bed? Do I use watching movies to go to sleep? Do I, um, you know, have to get up every single two hours when I'm trying to sleep, like all these other things that or, help them solve the problem. Yeah. Or worse than that. Right. Is it that the only time I really get time to myself to think all day is right yeah. before bed, because that's really the only time in my life that's borderline meditative and yeah. quiet. Yeah. And so that's another one I see that's really common is all day long. People are busy being moms or dads or husbands or wives or um, work aficionados or all these other things. And then they lay down and it becomes almost meditative and yeah. their brain gone. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're sleeping because they're thinking about things. So then what do they do? Then they turn on Netflix. Yeah. Cause they don't have coping mechanisms to quiet their brain. Yeah. And so this, this school, this, this train of thought that you're going down here, Kai is incredible because it's, it's multifaceted, right? Mm -hmm. On one hand, we don't have the tools to deal with the life that's in front of us. Yeah. Right. Because we don't understand how to compartmentalize what's happening to us on a daily basis. Yeah. Because frankly, our brain and our nervous systems all, well, I shouldn't say our brain, our nervous system in terms of our brain and our other nervous systems in terms of touch and enteric and all those other things, they don't know how to communicate with each other, right? And so they're not working cohesively. Yeah. So if I spend the day working on the farm 
and I've had 30,000 steps and I'm dead, do I lay down and stare at the ceiling and think about me being upset with my boss or do I just die at night? Right. Not literally, but like just pass the hell out. Right. Yeah. I went, um, I went to, like I said, I went to Disneyland this weekend when I laid down, there's nothing that was going to keep me awake. I was done. I chased my twin daughters around Disneyland for 10 hours done. Right. And so this is going back to the idea uh, we're going to, I'm quickly realizing podcast five is coming. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say the same. <laughs> we're, talking, we're, we're not going to, we're getting completely off track, but it's okay. Um, I'm quickly, I quickly realized, right. That if I have an appropriate level of movement throughout my day, I then don't have the bandwidth, the physical or the mental bandwidth to think through things. So my question to you, the listener, is am I lamenting and overthinking because I'm not, I haven't reached physical, physical exhaustion? Now let's go the other route with that, right? Let's, let's conversely, let's flip that. What if you are the person that's at physical exhaustion, but your circumstance is so difficult and so unwavering that you can't through sleep through the exhaustion you literally can't wear yourself out because that's a, fe- a feasible reality as well mm-hmm. right where my life is so difficult and there's so many things that are triggering and problematic in my life that are complex that no matter how hard i work i can't go to sleep mm-hmm. right so this is this is the this is the issue with this this thought process is it is really really convoluted and complicated there's a lot to it it's not the same for everybody. And so trying to generalize anxiety from a a perspective of like what's happening is really difficult because the truth of the matter is everyone's anxiety is their own and it's their own circumstance. And so the hope with teaching you the biological stimulus behind it, the, the science as to why we're doing it is that you can look in the mirror and evaluate your circumstance and ask yourself these questions. Because the truth is, is when you go to a doctor, and you say, hey, Mr. Doctor, I have anxiety. The doctor is not trained in how to deal with the psyche, right? So they're, they're only going to be able to go down their checklist. A really good doctor might refer out and say, hey, I, this isn't, I, I don't know. But this is someone who could help you. But kind of, I've already talked about the difficulties and the complexity of referring out as a practitioner. There's a podcast about that, guys. Um, it's hard. It's not as easy, as easy as just like, Hey, go see someone else. Right. <laughs> Cause a lot, there's a lot of other stuff there. There's ego, there's, um, licensing, there's all kinds of crap there. Right. Um, so the truth of the matter is I, I have this anxiety and my anxiety is very specific to myself and maybe it's my life is really, really, really fucking hard. I have triggers all over the place that, make it difficult for me to deal with my life at hand. I can't sleep by not sleeping. I wake up groggy, waking up groggy means I'm going to be grumpy. Being grumpy makes interactions worse. Interactions being worse triggers my anxiety. And now we're in this vicious cycle. Right. And so I have this anxiety. It's making things worse. It's making life harder. So then guess what? I look for sympathetic fixes. Again, we have a podcast about that, but I start looking for external inputs to make me happy. Well, sugar drives serotonin. 
So serotonin makes me happy. So let's have some sugar. Boom, I got a serotonin spike. Now I feel good. Or boom, I'm going to take um, some sort of drug or I'm going to smoke some weed to downregulate or, but then you become again in this vicious cycle, right? And so going back to this doctor perspective that Kai just offered, parceling care the way it's created, which is like we have doctors, we have psychiatrists, we have therapists, uh, we have physical therapists, we have all these people that all do different parts of the body. The problem is, is when I go talk to these people, they don't have information, right? So if you go to a psychiatrist who doesn't understand maybe the gut, the psychiatrist is going to try to treat your brain, but is maybe not going to ask questions about what your diet looks like, right? And so, okay, so we've now treated the brain and now, so now you're on anti-anxiety medication, except that's not the problem. Yeah. So we're still doing things to our stomach that are problematic for anxiety, but we're on anti-anxiety medication with anxiety. So now what? Right. So, okay. So now we've now we're like, okay, this isn't working. So I'm going to go see a doctor. Something must be wrong with me. Well, doctor still doesn't understand the gut very well. That's not what they do for a living, especially a general practitioner. So now the general practitioner just changes your anxiety medication. There's something different, right? So now, okay, I've seen a doctor. I've seen a, a therapist. I've seen maybe a family therapist. I've seen all these things and none of them are have helped. I still have anxiety. What if it's as simple as I can't digest the type of food that I'm putting in my stomach? Right? Yeah. And it could be that simple, right? Yeah. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I love where you're going with this because I literally just picked up a book um, that talks about, um, and don't don't judge me, I, I do this because of my clients. Um, it's called In the Flow by Elisa Vitti. And it basically talks about, um, you know, women's cycle and how it, and hormonal, um, their hormonal cycle and all that kind of stuff um, mm -hmm. and how food affects their cycle, how, um, you know, how we talk about fasting, right? Uh, women should not fast, um, especially during their cycle because it, it messes up a lot of hormones and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, I'm just starting the book, but I mean, just the idea that, I mean, like we, we talk about um, circadian rhythms, right? So women have a different kind of circadian rhythm and, and biological rhythm for them because of their 28-day cycle, right? Um, so not even just like anxiety is different for, for the individual, but biologically it's different for male and female, right? Because of that 28-day cycle that present that women get every month. Um, so it's, you know, it makes it even more multifaceted, right? So, um, you know, even in just the introduction, the lady's talking about how, um, and I'm sorry for going way off topic, but she's, she's talking about like how she, her, her story, right? In her head was women have to work twice as hard <coughs> to be successful and they have to do, they have to be able to do everything. So she's, you know, 
working twice as hard. She's doing things um, more than usual, like taking all the hard classes, taking like she's basically said life has to be hard for me to be successful. And so it took a, a huge toll on her body obviously just like Michaela Peterson. Right. Um, and so, you know, it could even just be that, right. Switching that perspective, like working with the brain, switching that perspective of, Hey, like life doesn't have to be hard for you to be successful. Right. Or, um, you know, let's, let's take a step back and really look at all aspects of life. Right. Cause it's not just about working hard. It's also about, recovering right it's also about eating well uh, and eating to your uh, biological needs right and i think that's kind of where we're going with this right like going back to being a human right because all humans aren't the same and we don't digest the thing the same things we don't um you know need the same things right um and, you know, our medical field is, is very based on the masses, right? So we need a, what is it, 22,000 calorie diet. Everybody needs a 2,000 calorie diet. But it's like, maybe we don't. Maybe we need more. Maybe we need less. Or, you know, so this is this very is, individualized. This to me is the struggle. And this is, again, I mean, this is the basis of our whole podcast, right? Is to start opening people's eyes up. To things like this and, and striking get people to understand that like the status quo isn't necessarily for you yeah. the, the problem with with all this information and and honestly even that book included not that that book's a bad thing is one everybody isn't the same yeah right but industry-wide we have to generalize information and offer it in a general perspective yeah. to one create a narrative that we can communicate in as practitioners right and two, to be able to offer some sort of semblance of, of selling point, right? Yeah. But the truth is, is all of this is a starting point. So in terms of like, let's talk about your body, right? Let's talk about your bicep. If I say bicep, the general consensus around the world is I'll reach for my arm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the bicep is uh, a it's a bunch of muscle fibers in one area of the body, right? Yeah. That contribute to doing a couple of things. Okay. We know as a practitioner using the word um, short head of the bicep, we know where to look right from Mm -hmm. a, from an art perspective. Does that mean that everybody's short head of their bicep looks the same functions the same and acts the same? absolutely not people can have damage they can have developmental changes to that issue it can be completely different so what what we have to think about in terms of an industry as well as just general people is that the bicep is a reference point to then work off of yeah but i still have to evaluate every bicep independently because they aren't the same the truth is is the book that you read right the information is good. It's great information. It's an incredible starting point from a reference perspective. Yeah. But it does not mean that everybody's the same. So yeah. are men and women different hormonally? Absolutely. Are women's hormonal profile going to change, alter, and, and shift? Yes. Can we uh, industry-wide agree that women 
have um, a, a hormonal profile that builds on itself daily versus men's that resets daily? Yes, things we know to be true, okay? Are all women's hormone profile the same? Absolutely not. Are all women's guts the same? Absolutely not. So this idea like, okay, women shouldn't fast. Sure, I would say on a regular perspective, women should not fast. They carry more body fat for a reason, right? If a woman has an unhealthy gut and wants to reset her gut and is going to do a 72-hour fast only to reset her gut, understanding the implications it has to her hormonal profile, yes, she should still do that fast. But that's the struggle with this information, right? Because the way the information is projected, right, from that book is that women shouldn't fast. No, 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 that's not true. What she's saying is that women shouldn't regularly fast. Yeah. Which is true, right? And so my struggle, again, is this becomes really confusing for the consumer because they're like fast, don't fast. They don't have the ability to understand baseline information. This is the struggle with what's going on with the Rona, right? Mm -hmm. People are fighting over the Rona because they don't understand they don't understand baseline information about the immune system or about virology. And why would they, by the way, like that's not their, like only, only myself and Kai are nerdy enough to like send each other studies about the immune system and then read the studies because we're fucking nerds. (laughs) Okay. Right. That's why you tune in. But the truth of the matter is, is this information can be confusing, which can cause anxiety on its own. Right. Right. Cause it's like, what am I supposed to do if I can't help myself, right? Yeah. My hope here by presenting the information is that you can help yourself and make some, some informed decisions and start to understand that there's a connection between the gut to the rest of the body, that the brain connects the rest of the body, right? That the gut can affect brain's development. The gut can affect how much of the brain is there. Exercise does the same. Peripheral stimulus does the same, right? Like, all of these things our body takes in. Um, the podcast today was supposed to be why the world's working against you and why we're not human. Uh, that'll be next week. Yeah. The, point, the, the point here that I want people to understand or that I hope people can digest is that the reality of all of this stuff is all of this is working against you. And so you have to find a way to look inward to find so your own solutions based on the way you feel. Now, here's my perspective, and you don't have people don't have to agree. I think that by evaluating your health, it's the easiest thing that you can control. Okay, so what does that mean? That means look at your sleep and look at your sleep quality. Right. Worst case scenario is sleeping more and sleeping deeper and sleeping better doesn't cure your anxiety. It certainly has additional benefits, right? Okay. Finding a nutritional pattern that works for yourself. I say pattern and not diet. Diet's garbage, it's a garbage word. A nutritional pattern that works for you, right? If that means that you're gonna go full carnivore and only eat meat, fine. That means you're gonna go vegan, fine. If you're gonna go keto, fine. If you're just going to concentrate on eating foods that are of nutritional value, I like that probably the best, right? A simple thing you can do is ask yourself is what I'm eating 
helping my brain. And asking yourself that question every time you eat is going to make a really big difference towards making change to help yourself. So that said, right, we know that like drinking a Coke probably isn't going to service our body nutritionally. We know that as a backup plan, an apple is probably safer, right? Now, that's complex because if I eat an apple and I feel like shit, well, maybe an apple is not great for you. Right. And that's why I say finding a nutritional pattern that works for you. Right. <clears throat> Try to find the best possible water quality you can. Avoid drinking from plastic containers or things that have been in plastic containers for long periods of time. Avoid drinking city water if you can. Spring water is ideal. Uh, filtration systems in your home is not a horrible idea. Right. Do your research. I have a Berkey and I love it. Um, Worst case scenario, by drinking higher quality water and eating food with a better pattern, worst case scenario, you find general consensus of health, you have higher immune function, you'll sleep better, you'll look better, right? Yeah. Exercise. Minimum standard for exercise is move for 30 minutes a day. What that looks like to you, I don't know. Do something that serves you that feeds you emotionally and makes you happy if that's hiking great if that's dancing dance like i don't care what you do just move a little bit if you want to sprint head first into a wall fine <laughs> but you're more than welcome to do so if you like to lift weights lift weights right i have opinions on all of these things that i'm talking about but the truth is this is the truth is finding the connection to your body is going to serve you to some degree, right? All of which will serve you more than taking medication that maybe doesn't suit you. Now, here's the thing. If those things are all in order and then you decide you want to take medication, do it. I don't think medication is bad. I don't think it's problematic. I think medication without an end plan is an issue, but I don't think that taking an anti-anxiety medication is it a problem? I don't think it should be your solution. It should be a way to create solvency, right? And so this is what I kind of plead with people with is like, listen, do the minimum requirement to just be a healthy human being. Next week, we'll talk more about that. But I think if we can start there, that at least gives us some sort of perspective on finding well-being. And I promise you will find solvency to some degree with anxiety and depression if you do those basic things. Typically healthy people, really healthy people, aren't anxious and don't have issues with depression. Right? Thoughts, yeah, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, all of that is exactly what I say to my clients too um and i think the the other part of that right is if people have anxiety about starting any of that is to think about exposure therapy right you'll never know if you like it or don't like it or if it serves you or don't serve you if you don't do it right so exposing yourself to different things to things that you think could be good for you try it right. trial and error right like oh yeah that try, wasn't for me at a low level Right. Yeah. Yeah. Start slow. And then, you know, oh, yeah, I kind of liked sled 
sled pushes and then you go and do them again and, and again and again and again and then as uh, soon as you know it like now that's your could be your coping me mechanism for anxiety right um so it's just you know whatever you think could be good go try it if not now go find something else so this weekend kai uh, went took the girls to California Adventure. I know a lot of you don't know what that is, but California Adventure is a theme park. Um, my girls are six. Um, due to COVID shutdowns, we haven't been to a theme park, especially California Adventure, in like six years. Or no, I'm sorry, a year. Before when we went, my girls were too short to go on any of the fun rides. Um, they're now officially tall enough to go on all the rides. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah, very exciting stuff. So my girls by nature are a little bit timid when it comes to riding rides mm. pretty natural right yeah. i'm sick that's a big ride it looks scary holy shit i have anxiety about it right okay so one of the first rides we took them on it's called soaring it's soaring the world now whatever soaring is a is a gentle uh intake to scary rides right we're yeah. gonna put you in the chair it's indoors we're going to go up kind of high. Uh, you're going to feel like you're kind of weightless. And then we're going to fly through the sky with a screen in front of us. Right. So perspectively can be a little bit scary, right? Like I'm hanging off the floor yeah. weightless in this chair. And so the natural question is, am I safe? Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a really gentle ride up. It's an easy ride through and it's a really gentle ride down. So my ex-wife and I, who went to design together, um, by the way, co-parenting for the win. Um, we we took our daughters on that first, right? And the the sole plan was just a little bit of exposure to something that's out of the ordinary, right? Yeah. So girls go on the ride. They initially we go up. They get this like scared look on their face. Oh shit, right? Which is their nervous system doing its job. It's evaluating safety. Yeah. They look at mom, they look at dad. We're holding hands. Everything's good cool i get to enjoy the ride and we go back down chloe cadence how was that oh my god so fun dad great okay so we go to the next ride which is in cars land it's uh i can't remember what it's called but it's like a roller coaster but it doesn't go upside down at all so it like basically is this cool ride where you're driving through in one of the cars from the movie driving through and at one point you start a race and you go really 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 fast so again we're like, okay, we don't know how to handle this. So we kind of warned them what was coming. We showed them the ride. Like, look, they're going. It's fast. Ooh, we like to go fast, right? We get on the ride. We do the ride. First time we do the ride, uh, look at both of them. When we start to accelerate, they're kind of freaking out. Hold their hands. Tell them it's safe. We are like, hey, we're having so much fun. They get off the ride. Hey, how was it? Oh, my God, so fun. Let's go again, right? These are microdosing, right? This is exposure therapy to get them prepared to eventually maybe go on a more aggressive roller coaster. What I didn't do was put them on the damn roller coaster that goes 70 miles per hour and has them go upside down. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because that would have probably been too much and been too hard for their nervous system to evaluate safety. Right. So what we did was found something that was a little dangerous, tried it, evaluated, reevaluated, and then did it again, right? 
guys, this is like, this may seem like a total over oversimplification. This is literally what exposure therapy is. Yeah. Right. Like this is exposure therapy. I'm going to offer you a task. You're going to create a tool for task. Once you create tool for task, we can expand the tool out and expand and ask, how do you feel? Do you feel safe? Right. And that's it. That's exposure therapy. So that's it. It's that simple, guys. Um, okay, I've got to go fly in the sky, so I gotta get the hell out of here. But um, guys, I will tell you, this is not at all what we were going to talk about. Um, <laughs> we're gonna do another anxiety podcast. But yeah, I think this was a good way to wrap up some of the ideas that we had going on out there, and then I also think it was a good way to clarify some stuff in a gentle manner. Um, I'm Noah at Root Solution on Instagram and Facebook. Kai is the underscores and underscores. The underscores at underscores with a little bit of control the basics. There it is. Guys, thank you as always for listening. Please continue to send feedback. We love the feedback. It's so valuable to us. Um, and we will see you guys on the flippity flop. The flippity flop. Adios.